man, I'm so grateful that we get to hear weekly from uh, our friend, uh, Jimmy Sportsman. I'm grateful to be at a church where we allow him and his wife to be able to rest and recover, especially from all of the uh that we've had as a church family and as a nation. And so today, as, as I tried to prepare, Jimmy asked me to do this several weeks ago, I, I, I'm just going to confess with you that I come with a heavy heart, and I come with a with the heart of just wanting to remind us of something that is available to us as children of God. I was reminded this week with my dog as I was playing in the front yard. His name is Toby. And uh, we were playing and, and, and just God all of a sudden flashed just the, the reminder to me that he has not left us. He has not forsaken us. And so many times in my life I start out wondering, asking the same question that Isaiah chapter 40 asks, which is, God, where are you? God, are you not hearing my case? Do you not know what's happening to me? Are you disregarding my pleas? And so today, before I even get started, uh, I just want us to to do something together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and uh, just have some quietness and just ask God to remind us of the incredible grace, of the, the incredible spirit, the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, that wants to comfort us, that wants to empower us. And so what we're going to do right now is, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're a grandparent who's uh, struggling with what's happened to your retirement fund. I don't know if you're an administrator who's trying to learn all the rules again after doing it for 60 or 70 years. How many years you've been teaching, Coley? 60 or 70 years teaching. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're, you're tired of, uh, of teaching your, your, your kid at school because you've never trained that and this has been thrust upon you or your business is having to be different. But I, wanna, I want you to grab your hands or I want you to close your hands like this and I want you to put them in your lap. And we're going to spend just a few minutes with God, and we're going to say, God, I, I can't control this. God, I cannot fix this. I cannot fix what's happening in our politics. I can't fix what's happening in our world as it's tearing itself apart, in our nation as it's tearing itself apart. And we're going to give it to God as we pray. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes of actual silence where you actually get to bring whatever it is that is ripping you apart, whatever it is that is causing you angst, whatever it is that's, that's caused disruption in your life right now. It might be grief. It might be hardship. I don't know. But let's begin our time. God, I thank you for this day. And God, I won't say anything that's more true today from this pulpit than you are good. And so we bring to you the things that seek to disrupt the peace in our life that you've promised, things that we are trying to control, things that are hurting us. And Lord, we, we release them to you. We release them with hope. We release them in light of your promises. We release them because of your presence in our lives. Creator God, loving Father, redeeming Savior, sustaining Spirit, we open our palms because not just because we can't control those things, but we open them so that you can take them. Help us to live our life in response to your greatly empowered by your Spirit. We pray this in the name of this. Man, what a great way to start out this morning by giving uh, Bibles to our children. As they begin their journey in life and as they begin to learn to read, as they begin to educate their mind, what a great thing to give them a Bible. You know, um, whenever our families have a baby, we bring them up here and we pray for them. And then we give them a Bible so that parents can read to them the great story of love, the great story of rescue of God. And then when they get to kindergarten, they begin to read for themselves and parents can read to them and they read to their parents. We give them this Bible. In just a few weeks, we're going to give our, our new seventh graders uh, a Bible. It's, we usually do it at the end of sixth grade, but we're going to do it now. And then in a few months, we're going to give 
our seniors a Bible. And it's because we believe that the story in the Bible matters. And we believe that not only does it matter, but we believe that it says that my life matters. Say it with me. My life matters. And Jimmy's been talking to us about that for the last couple of weeks. And from birth to the end of life, he's been talking to us about that. In fact, from conception to the end of life, he's been reminding us that the value of our life, that God and because of God, that we should respect one another. We should love one another. We should honor God. Again, we do believe that God's word says that our lives matter. Ninth and below are learning about their identity. Our upperclassmen are learning about how to be good stewards. And we're using the Bible in that. Our children's classes are exploring uh, the comeback kids in the Bible, how because of God and through God, God redeems his people. He saves his people. We're studying Philippians downstairs in adult classes. On Wednesday nights, we're studying that love does. And because of God's great love, our lives are now instruments of that love. And so we become a people who are choosing to respond or rebel to the great story of love. And here, there are opportunities that I want to remind you that you could be a part of, whether you are a, a child or an adult with us here at KCC. But life brings its challenges. And it might come in the form of political unrest. It might come in the form of broken relationship. It might come because of the shame of the lie that God can't forgive what you have done. Life is hard because of the attack of the evil one who constantly pushes you on your addiction. It comes in the form of unfaithful relationships. It comes in the form of apathy. And our lives become difficult. And the great lie of all that is that you don't matter. Your life doesn't matter. How you live your life doesn't matter. And there's lots of problems in our world, and you're not going to escape it. In fact, in 1983, one of the best-selling books for teenagers of all time has been, If God Loves Me, Then Why Can't I Open My Locker? Of course, we don't have that problem today because we don't have lockers. But why, why do I have trouble if I'm trying to follow God? Why are things difficult? Another different poet or writer addressed the same angst that all of life gives us. He said it with a, a series of phrases. It goes something like this, and you can fill in the blank whenever I stop. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio. Thank you very much. Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studer Baker Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. See, Billy Joel took some phrases in from the time of 1939 until 1959, he, 1989, he took phrases that were headlines throughout newspapers. How many of y'all remember the song, What's the, How's the Chorus Go? We Didn't Start the Fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. But we're living in that fire. And part of it is, um, is illness. There you go. There's Billy Joel. You'll remember that video once you go home and watch it. And you may even tap your toe. But we did not start the fire. But we're living in the midst of it. But that's why we handed out the Bibles today. Because we want our kids' minds and hearts to be soaked in a word that says that in the midst of your trouble, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And if that's not a story that a five-year-old needs to hear, it is somebody who is about to turn 50 that needs to hear. Those stories that God will not abandon us need to be on our hearts from early on. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We believe in the value of life here in the midst of the storms. 
during the joys of life. We believe, as Jimmy's been reminding us, that my life matters. And we believe that God's scripture affirms to each of us that my life matters. Say it with me. My life matters. Let me read this for us. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's looking for fine pearls. And when he had found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, parables are a physical story that have a spiritual truth. And so we're going to take a look at these two quick parables that he gives in Matthew 13. And we're going to kind of look at it from different angles because parables are kind of like a crystal. And rabbis would say that if you take a parable or spiritual story and you twist it just a little bit, you'll still see the same thing, but you'll see it differently. And we're going to do that with this parable today. As Jimmy had asked me to to get prepared, this, this parable continued to be on my heart. This particular illustration of the kingdom of heaven reminds his followers of the great value of life in two ways. He wanted to express to his followers the great value that their lives had. And he does it in two almost opposite ways. As Jesus fills their minds and hearts of what the kingdom looks like, he tells them a story of a man who has a treasure that he's hidden in a field. It's worth everything to him. He cannot see his life without this treasure. And the good news for him is that he has what it takes to respond appropriately and attain that treasure. Now let's look at it from the first angle. As we look at the man who finds the field and finds the treasure and goes out and joyful or sells everything he has to go purchase that field, we see that story as the man who wants that thing and gets rid of everything to have that one thing is God. God sees something that he wants so bad that he gives up everything to have it. And that's part of the great rescue story. That is part of the story of redemption, that God would give up his own life, everything he has, to attain that. And then the same in in the following verses. In, In the story of the merchant, Jesus says, you know what? I'm looking for great pearls. And then he finds one. And he says, you know what? This is it. And he joyfully sells everything he has and purchases it. And he redeems that pearl and takes it for himself. And with great joy, he has it. What a great reminder to think that my God thinks that I am so valuable that he would give up everything he has to make right a relationship with me, to make it possible for us to be together. And some of you, maybe you're, as we, as we think of those verses, you're thinking of, of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, whenever he says, but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or maybe some of you have on your heart 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when he, he reminds us that you are not your own. You were purchased for a price. Or maybe Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you are saved through faith, and it is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. What a beautiful story to remind us that my life matters. But well, we could take this crystal... And we can turn it just a little bit and continue to look at the beautiful truth of this story and yet see a different angle of the kingdom of heaven. A man wants a field and gives up everything he has to have that field because he had seen that treasure and he wanted it. And he is able to enjoy that treasure. Or a merchant who finds the pearl has to give up everything to have 
to be united with that pearl. And as we turn the crystal a little bit, all of a sudden, we become the man who wants the field. A woman becomes the merchant who wants that pearl. And so we see the great trade-off of having to reach out to God in response of his love to make right a relationship with God. Now, there is no trade-in here. I said trade-off. The trade-in would mean it's not grace. The trade-in would mean, okay, so if I do something, God's going to love me back, and I've earned my way. That's not the story. The story is, is that we see the beauty of God, and we see the power of God, and we then reach for it with everything we have, and we turn off our life. But we take our lives, and we turn everything over to attain what God has for us. To me, this reminds me of two stories. One of them is when Jesus tells the great story of the young man. Actually, he doesn't tell the story. It happens to him. The young man walks up to him and says, hey, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, go and sell everything you have, and then give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. What a blessing to hear that story, to be reminded that it costs us everything. Or maybe it reminds you when Jesus says, unless you pick up your cross, you cannot follow me. To me, it reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 12:1, where it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, since we've seen God's greatness, we've seen his incredible love for us, we've seen that our life matters, in view of God's great mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so we see that our lives matter, not just in the fact that God loves us so much, but our lives matter in that it matters what we offer back to God. Say it with me. My life matters. My life matters. The way you live matters. You have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Our lives matter as we respond to God's grace. We will give an account for the life that we live and our life has great value. Turn over to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's one of those nice poetry Bibles that are kind of in the middle of the scriptures. If you open your Bible halfway, you're going to find it. How dare I not make a screen so we can look on the screen to our scripture. Ecclesiastes 12 reminds me of this truth. As Solomon says, you know what? Remember the Lord in the days of your youth because the days will come when you will find no pleasure in the things that you're doing. And you will say, I don't enjoy it anymore. Now that all has been heard and the conclusion to the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. For truly, that is the duty of all men. Now listen to this next part. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing and every evil thing. We will be held accountable for how we respond to God's great love. We will live our, our, our lives in response to God's love. Or we will live it in rebellion to God's love because we are the person who sees the great pearl and we have a choice to make. We are the person who sees the valuable treasure in a field and how we respond, we will be held accountable for it. You see, on December 2nd, 19, uh, 2012, a Spanish athlete by the name of Ivan Fernandez Anaya was completing his cross-country race in, Ber in Berlada, Navarre which is not in the United States. He was running, he was coming in second. He was some distance behind the, the leader, Abel Mutai. And Abel Mutai was the bronze medalist in the 3,000 meter uh, steeplechase in the London Olympics just a few years earlier. As they entered the finishing straight, 
he saw that the Kenyan runner, Abel Mutai, stopped just a few yards short of the finish line and began to wave at people. He began to see people uh, and smile. And all of a sudden what happens is he looked back and he realized people were yelling at him and they were screaming at him. And he didn't know what they were saying. And he didn't understand what they were saying because he didn't speak Spanish. But all of a sudden he's won a race and people are yelling and screaming and pointing at him. And he looks back and he sees that Ivan is still running. What does Ivan decide to do? Because he now has momentum and he can win. What Ivan decides to do is to point to the finish line and help Abel Matai win. Now this story is, is complicated, but Fernandez Anaya quickly caught up with him. But instead of passing him, he stayed behind and using the gestures guided the Kenyan runner to let him finish first. He was the right winner, Ivan said. He created a gap that I could not have. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth, and now only those who love them know what that little line is. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we lived and loved and how we spent our dash. So think about it long and hard. Are the things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and to show appreciation more and to love people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a while. So when your eulogy is being read, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of those things they said about you and how you live your dash? My life matters. Say it with me. My life matters. You cannot be good enough for God's love. You can't. I can't. You and I will live our life in response to God's love or in rebellion to God's love. I pray that you remember that today because you live your life. Rick Sorala, quit laughing at me. Your relationship with alcohol matters. Your honesty in your business matters. Your faithfulness in your marriage matters. Your choice to bless or curse or slander, it matters. And let me tell you, there's some people in here today that I've talked with over the past couple of months that need to be reminded that their lives matter. Shay Andrew, man, what y'all are doing, man? Your life matters. I've got the Coles and the Locklers back there. Your lives and the way you're investing in grandchildren and adopted grandchildren, it matters. Rick, Amy, the way you're giving yourselves to kids at school, it matters. Coley, you having heart surgery and then going back to school because you want to be with the kids, it matters. The way you've invested in our kids here at church, it matters. The way we live our lives, don't get loaded into the lie that the way we live our lives does not matter. Because it does. We will give an account and people around us will benefit from that value or not.
Now I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Say with me, my life matters. My life matters. Your time matters also. And we may have gone a little long today. But I want to remind you, as you live today and you live tomorrow, that live your life in response to God's love because of the great treasure he sees in you. Give up everything and follow his ways. As we respond to the storms of life, I want to remind you, how you respond matters. With God's great love or in rebellion to God's great love.